Okay, let's do it. Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. Talking Records Podcast. We talk about our favorite records. Talking Records Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Thank you all for listening. You showed up to the right place. Jen and his friends dive deep and analyze the records we have grown to love. We'll tell you how we found the band. Track by track, breakdown of all the songs. So grab your favorite beverage and pull up a seat. Today we'll look at another record in its entirety. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to Talking Records. My name is Jed, and I'm here with Jeff, the drummer of one of my all-time favorite Western mass bands, Funzel. What's up, Jeff? Not much. How are you? I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you, man. Welcome crazy world going on right now i'm happy to be doing something like this yeah it's nuts my band no intention played with your band for the first time in october of 2011 yeah i was gonna say probably sometime in 2011 we met all of you guys before through you know various bands and immediately admired what you guys were doing as funzel i think like the mid-2000s had been a little rough for us with a lot of the connections we had made with bands in the early stages of our band's career Kind of fading away. Yep. And then you guys came along and suddenly it felt like the old days again. I mean, we were like hanging out. We were joking around, you know, having another band to kind of clown around with and support each other. Definitely breathed a little life back into no intention. Happy to play a part of it. It was definitely my favorite days, too. I mean, I grew up going to see your band, going to see all the shows. I I remember all the other bands fading away or coming Mm -hmm. back or slowing down. But once we finally got going, it was awesome to see everybody get at it again and shows actually be a thing again. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. I, I enjoyed that. You can find Talking Records on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Radio Public, and more. You can also find us on Instagram by searching Talking Records Podcast. Have a cool story to share about how you connect to one of these records? Send us an email at talkingrecords at outlook.com. Talking Records is a podcast devoted to connecting with friends over records we love. Today, Jeff and I will be talking about Alkaline Trio's 2001 album, From Here to Infirmary. Alkaline Trio released what would be their third album on April 3rd, 2001 on Vagrant Records. Matt Allison and Alkaline Trio acted as producers with assistance from Neil Weir. Allison had produced the band's previous records, God Damn It, and Maybe I'll Catch Fire. According to Matt on punknews.org, I met Matt, I think, before the trio was even formed. He was playing drums in a band called The Traitors, so I met them right when the band formed and we became friends. Recording for this record took place at Pachyderm Studio in Canyon Falls, Minnesota. Pachyderm, as you know, Jeff, or may not know, is where Nirvana recorded In Utero. I was just going to say that. That's where that's where In Utero was, was recorded. It's pretty awesome to be working in the same studio where such an awesome record was created. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean, I know it's just a studio, but to think that you know Nirvana was there and recording those tracks must have been kind of cool. All the way up in Minnesota, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not much to do up there. No. The recordings for From Here to Infirmary were mixed by Jerry Finn with assistance from Laurent Bichara at Engine Studios in Chicago, Illinois. I've watched a lot of interviews and just stuff about Alkaline Trio, and Matt always would say that you know the reason they were a trio and the reason that they were everything was because of Jawbreaker and just so that it, mm. they, they got mixed by, by Jerry, the same guy who did uh, Dear You and everything. I'm sure, I'm sure it was super exciting for them. They must have been a little starstruck. (laughs) This would be the band's only album with the drummer Mike Flumley, who replaced the previous drummer Glenn Porter. Flumley had been a one-time member of the Smoking Popes and went on to release some great solo material after leaving Alkaline Trio. Flumley left the band shortly after the album's release due to personal friction with singer Matt's. I actually recently read 
read an interview with Matt where he says he was thankful the record got put out, but he was even more thankful that he's no longer in a band with, with them. <laughs> to be a fly on the wall and yeah. get a sense of what was going on would be interesting. Of course, they're tight-lipped about it. You know, they don't, yeah. they don't talk about it, but what do you think? Probably just uh, different personalities? Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure he was coming off of the Smoking Popes too, so he had his own mindset on what he wanted to do. According to then-drummer Mike Philemley, we tracked bass and drums together live. The guitar tracks and vocals were recorded individually after that. As mentioned, Philemley had joined after Porter had left the band. He had known Matt and Dan from playing shows with some of their earlier bands, and the trio had opened for Smoking Popes a couple of times around 1997-98. He joined the band right after Maybe I'll Catch Fire came out. The band had been touring a bunch supporting Maybe I'll Catch Fire when Matt and Dan began writing songs for this record. According to Philomley, I think we spent a couple of weeks rehearsing at Dan's parents' house, working out the arrangements for most of the songs that ended up on the record. Though Matt and Dan did most of the writing, Philomley pointed out that we kind of arranged everything as a band, collectively deciding on how the songs would be structured, tempos, etc. Mike later explained the studio was way out in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota. We stayed in a large house there, and the studio was down a little wooded trail from the house. I do remember it was pretty spooky to go from the studio to the house alone at night. I always felt like someone was going to jump out of the woods and grab me. We mixed the record in Chicago. Jerry Finn flew in to mix it, and I remember both him and Matt Allison got food poisoning very early on during the mixing session, so I'm sure it was a pretty tough experience for those guys. The Alkaline Trio has always featured the two-songwriter attack of guitarist Matt and bassist Dan. The band features a lot of dark imagery and jarring lyrics. According to Matt in the Chicago Tribune, it makes it a bit more interesting than just writing a song about how much you like a girl or how much she hurts you when she leaves you, Skiba says. I'd always thought that songs like that would be so much better if they just throw in a little blood or a gouged eyeball. And they sure did that. I think that's like the perfect line for how you can really describe the Alkaline Trio to someone who's not familiar with their band. <laughs> Love songs with gouged eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. So Jeff, I want to know, how did you get into Alkaline Trio and how did you get into From Here to Infirmary? I got into punk, I guess what I would call punk music kind of early on. Um, I, I, I went to a very small uh, elementary and middle school, a little private school. And yeah. one of my friends, there was only like 20 kids in my entire class. One of my friends, older brothers, um, kind of handed down, you know, Dookie, Dumpweed, and stuff like that. And I got real into MXPX. Nice. So, so once I once I actually went to high school, which is around when this album came out, I was kind of like the MXPX kid. One day, I was listening to it was probably around 2002. I was a sophomore, and I remember I was in art class, and I was listening to some mix CD. I'm sure it was either an MXPX song or some 90s ska band or whatever nice, and, nice. <laughs> and and this this kid came up to me he was like oh do you listen to xyz bands one of which being alkaline trio and this album had just come out prior like the year prior and he was like here j- j- just borrow mine and mm. then that started a my infatuation with the record which this is why it's always going to be my favorite record because it was like my entry i'm sure mm, i had heard yeah. radio or whatever beforehand but this was like my foot in the door and then actually started my best friend and dan and i stayed best friends you know for life now because of that one moment and that's the first time so he showed me this band and all the rest so that's a great story so you definitely connect that record to that friend yeah and that's why it'll always be to me the most meaning i mean i have plenty of debates with my friends about what's the best alkaline trio record or what's the most (laughs) meaningful but to me this is always going to be the you know, the front runner. So aside from your connection with your buddy, what about this record kind of drew you in? So I've, I've never drank. I've never done any drugs, especially back then. And I, I'm not really into like the whole cultish feeling of things, but it's just like the record itself just always hit me. It always hit me about, you know, struggling growing up, struggling with personal failure, struggling with not knowing what's next. And it just, mm-hmm. it, it kind of, it, it was a, an adult feeling album but also a not adult feeling album at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. 
A friend had made me a mixtape in the fall of 1998 and slipped the song Cop and the song Cringe on it from the Alkaline Trio's first album, God Damn It. Yeah. Then I picked up the Asian Man Records comp mail order. It's fun. Do you remember those comps? Absolutely. Especially those ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on that, I found the song For Your Lungs Only. At the time, I was working at the college radio station at Westfield State. Uh, this was probably like 2000 or so. Yeah, I probably heard you play these songs on that radio yeah. station. <laughs> and that's when the band's second album, Maybe I'll Catch Fire, arrived. And I was immediately seized by that record and listened to it over and over and over, like an embarrassingly uh, <laughs> crazy number of times. Uh, I eventually had to give that CD back to the station, I remember. But I, I was absolutely in love with that album. Um, and it's still one of my favorite records of all time. Yeah, it's perfect. So that's why anticipation for this album was so incredibly high. I remember when it was coming out, I only really had a year to wait, you know, between albums from Maybe I'll Catch Fire to From Here to Infirmary. And I, I remember I bought it without hesitation. I just grabbed it. Two songs, Crawl and Bloodied Up, had appeared on that Vagrant Records compilation. Yep. I think it was like another year on the streets or something. Yes. And those are great songs. And um, actually, that, that comp has one of my favorite Saves the Day songs on it. Sell my old clothes, I'm off to heaven. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that song. Vagrant, Vagrant that time was just, to me, the, the pinnacle. Saves the Day and Alkaline Trio. Yeah. Face to Face. Yeah, uh, the Get Up Kids. Get Up Kids, yes. A lot of great stuff. So Alkaline Trio, I remember being really excited about the album. And then when I threw it on, I was not disappointed. It was great sounding. Um, it sounded like they had matured a lot from the previous record. Yeah, just listened to it a ton. Probably too much. I think I, I think <laughs> I had to take a few years off. <laughs> you ever burn yourself out on a oh, record? Absolutely. All right, Jeff, you ready to break this thing down track by track? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right, first song on the record, Private Eye. New Year's Eve was as boring as heaven. I watched flies fuck on channel 11. There was no one to kiss and there was nothing to drink except some old rotten milk someone left in the sink. <laughs> Guitarist singer Matt has a great way of delivering these jarring dark lyrics, man. Yeah, I always felt like like he's singing about, you know, he just feels alone. You know, the phone's not yeah. ringing and he's just in his own head trying to find someone else to blame, looking for somebody yeah. that has an alibi. Or do, I mean, doesn't have an alibi so he can just blame somebody else besides himself. I mean, I feel like it's a song that could be interpreted in many ways. <laughs> yeah, especially by a sophomore like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny thing about this is, so right after this album came out, I got lucky enough to start seeing the band. And mm. every single time for probably six, seven years, they would always open with this song and it mm, would, nice. and, and they would always say the, wherever they are in the world, in the song. So they'd be like, I want to find some Boston that has no alibi, or I want to oh, find nice. some New Jersey. <laughs> and it was, I was like, it was like the, you just knew it was coming. And I was like, there's yeah. Matt being Matt. It's a lot of pressure to know where you are. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of lyrics, like they've always been like a lyric band for me, you know, yeah. some bands you hear the lyrics and they're there and maybe they tell like a fun story or something, but you know, you kind of hardly notice them. I feel like with bands like Alkaline Trio, you have to, have to pay attention to the lyrics. There's so much to take away from these songs lyrically. Yeah, and they could be interpreted differently. Even different stages of your life, they can be interpreted differently. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. You know, they weren't doing like flashy guitar solos or crazy yeah. breakdowns. Their feature was always the lyrics. And I always thought that was really cool. It was one of the things that drew me to the band. This song seems to me, I, I'm not really sure completely what it's about but it feels like like you were saying someone who's alone someone who's maybe like an obsessive lover who's kind of watching over someone like you know like a private eye yeah like he's just trying to find what he's gonna do like he's gonna he's just trying to make sense of everything like he's, he's watching over his life he's watching over somebody else's life it's a yeah. good it's a good first track it's, and, I, and i think there's there's later songs that i tie back into this 
it just starts it off right. Yeah, it's a great starter. Yeah, wallowing in that loneliness, obsessing over the person. I love the line, and there's no ring on the phone anymore. There's no reason to call. I passed out on the floor, smoked myself stupid, and drank my insides raisin dry. (laughs) There he is. He's alone, and he can't blame anybody else but himself. Like, Yeah. Yeah, great lyrics. Great song. Moving on to Mr. Chainsaw. The best song on the record. When was it that you lost you? I have a couple of different groups of friends that we kind of like debate music and kind of have like conversations like this. And we, and, and the number one topic is always who is the best songwriter, Dan or, or Matt. And oh. I, and I always bring up this song because it yeah. just, you know, growing up feeling jaded, being scared of not being able to achieve the one thing you want to achieve. Um, having nightmares all the time of running out of words that rhyme. To me, it's just like he's stuck in the, in between is where he's stuck. I was a sophomore when I first heard it and here I am more than half my life later and I'm still like, yeah, I get it. I, I, I agree. I mean, I feel like this one has a lot of really great lines in it. And of course, if you're wondering what the song is about, Matt basically tells you at the end with in case you're wondering, we're singing about growing up, about giving up and giving in. So another favorite line of mine is, it's better now to be alive. Sleeping is my nine to five. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's having nightmares all the time of running out of words yeah. that rhyme. I like the line, uh, cubicles will now suffice. Some say it's mm. a roll of the dice. Like, I work yeah. in a cubicle every day of my life now, and it just still, mm. just, I get it. Rings true. Yeah. He's definitely directing this song at someone who lost track of themselves, has possibly moved on and have, you know, sort of cut off their senses in a way. Mr. Chainsaw has taken his legs. He's taken a blowtorch to both his lungs, cut his eyes out with a steak knife. This seems to suggest as people grow up, they stop feeling, seeing, and doing the things that were once so important to them. Growing up and giving in. All right, next song is Take Lots with Alcohol. Just give me medicine, prescribe me anything. Just knock me out and walk me through the door. Well, I have no desire to see through my own eyes anymore. Bassist Dan takes the third song on the album. He's a great companion vocalist to Matt. Matt has a lot of power in his voice, I feel like, but Dan captures these great emotions with his more laid back, almost like dry sounding voice. His voice is very different, making his backup vocals on Matt's songs really stand out. When he gets his own songs, it provides the album with a different tone. And I always really like that about Alkaline Trio. Yeah. Some bands have like multiple singers and you can't tell the difference between them. Yeah. Oh, I fully agree. And even their writing style is completely different, but it works perfectly together. Yeah. Dan sings, just give me medicine, prescribe me anything. Just knock me out and walk me through the door. I have no desire to see through my eyes, my own eyes anymore. Everybody can relate with that. At one point or another, you don't want to see through your own eyes. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, he doesn't even care if he's healthy or not. He just wants to get it to clean out his head, you know. Like, right. There's a funny story about this song. Was so after I had purchased all the albums, I was uploading them onto whatever old computer iTunes I had, and, <laughs> and for whatever reason, the title of this song, whether it was my fault or whether it was Apple's fault, the title of this song got brought over as as Bleeder, oh. even even though it was clearly take lots of alcohol. It got carried over as Bleeder. So for the longest time, I would listen to it on my block of an iPod. And I would think that, the, that this song was Bleeder. And then one day I would sit, one day I sat down and I actually like listened to the split with Hot Water Music. And I couldn't understand why they covered the wrong Bleeder oh. until it took me <laughs> to actually realize that it just, whether it was my own fault, because, you know, Bleeder yeah. is also track three oh, on a different man. record or whatever. Yeah, it was the craziest thing. And it makes me laugh still that I'm such an idiot. It reminds me of the old days of when like people used to download music yeah. off of like Napster and all these places and the songs would always be mislabeled or like the wrong band would be attached <laughs> to them. It's like, no, no effects does not do a cover of that. song. you know, yeah. it's like, it used to drive me nuts. Oh man. So back to, uh, take lots with alcohol. Um, Dan sings, see, I don't know. I don't fall in love. Well, maybe I know why. And maybe you could make it stop. In this instance, he's turned to alcohol to ease the or even erase the pain yeah. that he's feeling. 
He seems to be talking to like a psychiatrist or something. Yeah, some sort of doctor that he's looking for help with. Like a, yeah, like an open letter to a psychiatrist. He doesn't feel physically ill. The pain comes mostly from, like you said, from his head. He wants to clear his head. He's so obsessed with his own problems, he can't feel for anyone else. In the second verse, he seems to be addressing the person who has put him in this position. He doesn't know how to interpret her strange face, feels uncomfortable in his chair, and feels like he's boring her with his problems. Yeah. I mean, you can just feel that pain. Like when you're like, even my problems are like boring somebody like that's pretty powerful. Yeah. He just, he has a way to bringing it all together. All right. We're going to move along to definitely one of my favorite tracks on the album. And that is stupid kid. Nothing's used to make me smile. One of them was you for just a little while. You left me dead so far away. I replay. I love this song. Yeah, it's definitely like like I loved it then, and I love it now. Like while I was listening to it again to get re- to to get ready for this uh, for this podcast, it's yeah. definitely like what a twenty two twenty three year old would write as a breakup song. Oh, and like, like thinking <laughs> back, like he was, you know, that was the age they were, and it's just, yeah, it's great. It's got the stop and go parts in the verse, you know. It's a breakup yeah. song written from a place of anger and hurt. Matt sings, there are things that used to make me laugh, but now they're deeply buried in the past. I left them there so far away, replaced my humor with my pain. I'll be happy on the day it dies. <laughs> I said, it's just like, it's to the point. Yeah. And he's angry. I mean, he, t- he yeah. takes about taking back everything he said to someone. <laughs> I take it all back. I just remember like, after this came out, like there was like the music video for it and like it, it got some play. So like other people agree with us that the, 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 that this like it was like the jam of the record at the time. So it's definitely accessible. I mean, it's catchy. It's short, punchy. It's not, it's kind of sounds like it was made to be, you know, a hit song. Yeah. To be played, to be, to be played and to get play. Yeah. And I love how, I mean, like, like a lot of songs, it's like, it's upbeat and it's punchy, but it's like super painful like the emotions just sit on top of this like super upbeat instrumental and if you weren't paying attention to the lyrics you'd think it was like this really catchy like happy song <laughs> just just bopping along not knowing what's going on yeah. you think it was a happy song but really it's like a super angry song <laughs> next track another innocent girl he likes to act like he's all grown up he wanted to grow up to be an actor but he never told anybody. He likes to spill all of his guts. This is another song sung by Dan Andriano. Right at the beginning of the song, you can hear him talking. He can be heard saying something like, This is the first song I ever wrote. I wonder if that's true. So it took him three records to put it out. Yeah. That's been kicking around. Yeah. Couldn't find the right bridge. Yeah. It's a great song about someone who readily shares their pain and experiences with everyone around them. I feel I feel like we all know a person kind of like that, you know? Like what I like about this song is that like part of it feels like he is talking about somebody else who is sharing their problems with him, but then he also brings it back that he is that guy, you know? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and he kind of delivers the stories in a way that make him make them seem small, like he's over it, but in reality you know that it's the talking about it that's helping them get through it. And it's yeah. probably not just a little deal. Uh, he sings, he likes to spill all his guts on the top of a well-stocked bar and then swallow them bit by bit by remembering every scar. So yeah, he's just taking another drink of life, you know, like, yeah, it's hard to move past that pain or to erase that pain. Dan mentions the person in this situation wanted to be an actor and seems to be putting on quite a show in this bar, spilling his guts. Uh, maybe even embellishes the stories a little bit, maybe to draw a crowd. I feel like a lot of people try to go for the the dramatic aspect and maybe rein in a little sympathy. Yeah. It's a slower tempo song, much like some of the band's songs on Maybe I'll Catch Fire. If Dan was being truthful in the intro, joking that this is the first song he ever wrote, I actually wouldn't be surprised because I feel like it sounds like some of their earlier stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree. There is some songs on this record that I think would that that fit in better with like their later era stuff. But this is mm-hmm. one of those songs that, like you said, would fit in with with the maybe I catch maybe I'll catch fire, or, or even with the the self titled compilation release that they released before this. Just actually, now you mentioned that, I feel like this record is the perfect bridge between their old stuff, like God Damn It, and Maybe I'll Catch Fire, and then their the stuff that came after, yeah. you know, Good Morning and stuff like that. They kind of got a little bit more polished. They kind of got a little bit more f- like focused on what they wanted to do on those later albums. Whereas the earlier records, you know, there were some slower songs, some meandering songs. It was kind of a little bit more grating, a little bit more gritty. I say grating, not in a negative way, but a little, just like a little bit more, you know, in- intense. I, I read an interview with Dan and he said something along the lines of this is when Matt and him both realized that they wanted to tighten the screws mm. and just uh, and just cut things back and just focus on punching everybody in the nuts with their music or something along awesome. those lines. Yeah, I, I can hear that. Definitely. Next track is Steamer Trunk. The line, thunderstorms crashing in your cranium from the first verse seems to suggest the subject of the song has a lot of anger or inner turmoil. So whether it's the songwriter or somebody they're writing about, I feel like it's a, it's a female, you know, she's focused on things in the past and though, you know, the person has made an effort to get close to her, maybe even telling her he loves her. It didn't matter much. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, Things are things are packed away. There's their past is in the past. Um, their mm-hmm. secrets are packed away forever inside the steamer trunk. It's just they're lo- like like in the in the moment it doesn't matter, but their their long term memory is far from dead. It happened, but it's but it's packed away. Yeah, they're kind of like kept out of sight, out of mind, maybe. Although you always go back and you open that trunk and you're like, whoa, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love how Matt worked in the line. And I've been drunker than a skunk ever since the day I left you. <laughs> Another drink of life. Like, like that's what I feel is yeah. a, lot of, a lot of this record is like getting by and trying to figure out how to make it and, you know, having their own bumps in the road along the way. Another drink to get through. Yeah, that's a good interpretation. And I mean, I'm just I, I just have to laugh at that line. And of course. I didn't know like drunker than a skunk. Like I thought that was kind of a funny line. And you know, I'm a huge nerd. I have to like yeah. look things up. Uh, apparently, the saying comes from the fact that skunks eat a lot of fermented fruit <laughs> that is found from trees, and it just it just happens to rhyme perfectly. And it's... yeah, it just happens to rhyme. Drunker than a skunk. Yeah, it's perfect. So I guess they I guess these skunks are running around intoxicated from drinking. Uh, That's awesome. Or eating fermented fruit, or or yeah, you know, like you said, maybe it's just a good rhyme, but. <laughs> definitely definitely hilarious all right we're gonna move on to you're dead what the hell is your name and can you explain this mess? it seems you're playing a game where you only know how to take out the best because the vessels could it definitely ripped off the drums on this song to a lot of Funzel, to Funzel songs. And it's perfect because Funzel plays everything so fast anyway that they, that they would never know. Because it's, really it's, it's such a slow song and like a driving song. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love talking to musicians on this podcast because I kind of feel like we all have these great stories of like, oh, yeah, I ripped that song off. Oh, yeah, I ripped that one off. I stole that part. I grabbed that. And I think I think everybody does that, yeah. you know. It's just what you're inspired by. You You take from the things you like and you, you sort of, you know, you speed up the drum beat and suddenly it's, it's a Funzel song. Yeah, it's your you, own. Yeah. You borrow that lag wagon bridge and suddenly it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a, no song. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, this song is about death and, and the emotions that come with the grieving process. Yeah. So this song kind of hits me hard now. Um, my best friend, Dan, that I was telling you about that, that actually got me in the trio. He yeah. actually, um, passed away last year due to due to um along you know just a downward flight with cancer and everything not to Mm -hmm. bring the podcast down but it's just like it hits me like it's like i just feel like he's he's reaching out to somebody like he doesn't you know whether he's praying whether he's just trying to reach out yeah he's looking for some kind of help 
because like you said death and just despair yeah there are a number of references to religion or, or at least like a higher power in this yeah. song include like you know there's proof in the sky and the line it's just a matter of time that will all go away to a better place i'm told so i definitely yeah i definitely agree with you there um that religious reference he talks about miracle workers i think at some yeah, point nowhere near prepared you know he's just he's just looking for some sort of answer to make it make sense and now he's because all, all he has is a photograph of a friend this song also sounds like a throwback to older Trio yeah. songs i feel like all right next track armageddon I wrote the words of this song on the back of a photograph Behind your back it goes A little something like this This way too big to miss I got a letter in the mail The sender failed to let me know where it came from Has the classic line I wrote the words to this song on the back of a photograph Behind your back it goes Dude, I love that line. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I I love the line. I'll drink a beer and 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 write in fear of a song that everybody hates. Like yeah. it's just it's just <laughs> such like actually Funzel covered. Well, we at practice we covered this song a lot, but we never played it out. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love this song. I actually think that I actually think that that this song should have been the opening track of the album. Oh yeah, uh, really? But Ooh. just just it, it it just starts off so in your face, and it's just it just sets the the tone. But it's right there. It definitely comes out full force. I agree. Yeah, it's interesting to think of it as the opening track. I never really thought about that. You know, he's scared of moving on, scared of rejection. How about one more goodbye kiss before he sinks? Just like mm. something positive to happen in his life before, you know, another bump in the road, another yeah. drink, another negative that he's going to use to get through. Yeah, it feels like it's a really hard goodbye. I mean, let's face it, goodbyes are the worst, yeah. <laughs> especially with an intense relationship that's going on. I don't know. Like in many of the songs on this album, I, I picture the narrator sort of at a bar with a drink in front of him, sort of thinking about what had happened. And of course, the title Armageddon comes from the Bible. Yep. It's the last battle between good and evil that will ever be fought. <laughs> so I feel like in a way, using that, he seems to suggest that things have finally come to an end. This is it. There's no chance for this. It's going to happen no matter what. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. I mean, even musically, this song is powerful and the lyrics just add to it. I love the guitar and bass tones on this record. And I love how you can just hear like the bass, like clanging along behind that crunchy distortion. And, you know, Mike's drums sound just really big. Like he's really clobbering the snare drum. You could you could honestly say that this album was recorded by Derek, their their current drummer, who they got recently, like not too long after this, because his style is the same exact way. And like, I got I got lucky to see them play this album like front to back twice. Oh, really? Wow. Um, yeah. So I went to like the, I would assume it was a tenth anniversary show, probably um, two thousand eleven, and then I actually went to all four nights of the Evil Live shows where they played all their albums a couple of years ago. Awesome. Really? Wow. Yeah, because you know I figured. They're not getting any younger, so why not see them play all their albums now while I can? <laughs> if you can, where did you catch that? Um, so there was, I think it was at the Paradise in Boston. I've seen them all over through the years, but it's just like my buddy and I bought tickets to all four nights because they weren't announcing what nights they were playing what album. Mm. And like other friends bought tickets to come to some some nights, but they still just kill it. And Derek plays with just as much power as everybody that came before him. So that's awesome. Yeah, he was a pretty. It was a seamless transition when he took over the drums that's cool that you've seen them so many times i've only seen them once i saw them before this album even came out like a long time ago and they just kind of stood there on stage and it was kind of i mean i enjoyed it because i liked the music but i don't remember walking away from the show being like oh wow they were yeah. great on stage yeah they're not much of performance but like yeah. i remember my we used to like like if, if they were coming on tour we'd buy like massachusetts connecticut new york just because because you don't know when, when they were going to come back around and stuff. So Yeah, that's great. All right, the next track is I'm Dying Tomorrow. I'm dying tomorrow Dan ponders his life and wonders, if I died tomorrow, 
Did I live my life to its fullest? Did I do the things I wanted to or should have done while I had the chance? Yeah, for himself and for everybody that he cares about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you never know when you're going to die. So a person could easily get hyper-focused on their place in the world and whether or not they're using their time on Earth the best way possible. I mean, I, I get that way sometimes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like like he's talking about dying tomorrow in Chicago, the place where he's always been, the place yep. where his friends are. Um, right. And it's just, you know, did he do his best? Did he do the best that he could? Did he make sure everyone's drink was as full as his? Mm. I love the line that says, drinking for the fun and singing for the taste. Just like, yeah. like it, it just like makes you feel about like being in a band. It's just, I love it. There's a, yeah, there's some really good lines in here. I like the line, uh, did I run outside to kiss the rain underneath electrical skies? Yeah. It's just a cool image. I mean, I don't know what it really means, yeah. but. <laughs> but he also makes that long line fit perfectly into the verse. Like I, yeah. I, I, I was impressed by that. Sometimes it's, it is. Yeah. Sometimes they write these long theatrical lines, and then they make it fit perfectly. That must be like a nightmare in the studio. And they're like, oh, crap. Like, you know, it sounded good when we were practicing it. But now that we're in the studio trying to get this line here. Well, like you were saying, just like to be a fly on the wall and see like yeah. tw- 22, 23-year-old kids. Maybe some rewrites happening. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a song about making sure everyone had a good time, making sure everything is right, making sure everything is neat. He's wondering, you know, if he took enough time for himself to appreciate these moments and took enough time to make sure that he's done enough in his life and it's uh you know it's an interesting song i mean you never know when when your time is going to come and you know would you be satisfied with things if if it was tomorrow you know yeah some people could probably say yeah you know i've led a pretty full life i've done all the things i wanted to do and i'm sure there's a lot of people that would be like no i need (laughs) i need more time to do all these things that i wanted to do travel and it's an interesting question to ponder yeah especially at 22 years old or however old they were when they wrote this record yeah, to be thinking that life is finite when you're 22 years old is pretty <laughs> pretty mature, I guess. I don't know if I was really worrying about that. But That's just it, yeah. Just having fun. Drinking for the mm-hmm. fun, singing for the taste. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on to Bloodied Up. As I mentioned earlier, this song had been released on the Vagrant Comp, Another Year on the Streets, which came out around 2000. It's a slightly different mix. The only noticeable differences are obviously the rougher sound and the lack of backing vocals. Yeah. But it's a great song. I love this Super song. Catchy. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it hits me at 33 the same way it did at 15. Thinking mm-hmm. back on it now, I kind of think that, that this is like, I was saying this kind of earlier. This is kind of like the sequel song to Private Eye, where in Private mm-hmm. Eye, he was looking for somebody else to blame. He was looking for somebody who didn't have an alibi so he could just pass his, his blame on him. But now he's but now he's seen all the evidence and it's him that's the cause of all his problems. And he's just trying to wrap his head around it and cope with it. That's, that's yeah. how I've always seen it. Like, I can't pass mm-hmm. the blame on anybody else anymore. I already tried. Again, it's another drink of life, but it's another it's his own fault. Yeah, I'm not, that's a good uh, way of looking at it. I'm not actually, yeah, I'm not really sure what the song is about. I mean, the lyrics maybe point to a few different things. I mean, there's always a common theme in their songs, you know, yeah. drug addiction, self-abuse. Well, that's just it. Self, yeah, self-abuse growing up. The line, I came too bloodied up, but you weren't around. I picked my teeth off the ground like they'd been there before, which to me seems to suggest a cycle of like repeated self-abusive yeah. behavior like like sticking yourself out there again and again even when you know the outcome is going to be the same and he's beating himself up in the meantime like he's right i mean it has the line you have every right to be this appalled with me join the club mm. like he signed up a long time ago like yeah he's just beating himself up yeah join the club right yeah. <laughs> there are others before you yeah exactly including a long line of people that i've let down yeah <laughs> Moving on to trucks and trains. Right side, left now, this rule that's my To the nearest liquor store.
These days go by like trucks and trains. Some hit so hard you barely feel a thing. The grass isn't always greener on the other side, and this song seems to touch on the feeling of sort of being stuck. I was interested to know what your take on it. I'm not a big fan of this song. Um, I mean, I like it. It fits, but... um, like every review that you ever read about this album, it always says that that this was the first Elhorn Trio record that has filler tracks. And to me, oh, yeah. this is this is the filler track. It it always struck me weird, especially because songs like Standard Break from Life and Hell Yes were like yeah. B sides to this record. And like yeah, no, yeah. like I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, and like they like fit better, like especially Standard Break from Life. It like it fits the feet like the overall theming better than this song. It's a good song, but if, if I'm going to skip one track on the record, it's going to be this one, especially because the next song is so perfect. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that one in a minute. Oh, yeah. I, I totally agree. Like, I love Hell Yes. That's a great song yeah. with that bass. I gave up on you a long time ago. How can you blame me? We made plans to meet and you never showed. You kept me waiting. They said everything would work out just fine. They said you'd help me. And Standard Break from Life, as you mentioned, is another great B-side. And both of those songs it fits this record perfectly if, you, if like the lyrically yeah. for standard break from life and then like this song is great you know the, it, it's fine the grass is greener you know mm. everything's turning up blue mm. but it's also just it's a filler track to me yeah there are a lot of references to color yeah in this song green grass feeling blue brown yeah we always talked about black we're considering yeah. brown is another line uh he mentions the blue sea turning red <laughs> I guess it's pretty neat, you know, color can yeah. draw out many emotions. Um, the sea often can turn red with a rising or setting sun, marking, I guess, beginnings or, or maybe endings. Uh, I've even heard someone view that as someone jumping into the sea and it's turning red due to maybe blood loss, yeah. I read somewhere. <laughs> it's kind of a dark take on it, but yeah. I mean, it's easy to read too deep into this stuff, but yeah. uh Especially when you've got that morbid lens on. From oh, yeah. They make it easy to put the morbid lens on. I know. I could be off, but I always assume the song was about the different emotions that come with manic depression. Yep. One moment that. you're up, another you're down. Sometimes the days feel like trucks hitting you. Other days like boats and planes wash away or plummet. There's a lot of different feelings in this this one. But yeah, maybe a maybe a toss away track, maybe a maybe a filler track if you had to pick one. To me, this was this would be more of a B side than the other songs that we discussed. But. Yeah, when you mention those other two songs, it, it's like, <laughs> I mean, I've listened to this album so many times, like I expect to hear this one. But yeah. w- w- you know, would it would it be different if they had swapped out one of those other tracks in place of maybe this one, and maybe this the B side like you mentioned? Yeah. All right, let's get into crawl. This is like the epitome for me. Like, I think it's um, the best end track. Uh, Alkaline Trio has always been known for like that emotional punch of a last song. You know, radio, mm-hmm. sorry about that, 97. They, you know, even blew in the face down the line. But like, to yeah. me, um, someone who's never drank in his entire life, like I feel this song. Like my take on this song is every single track on this on this entire record. So all eleven songs before this were just like you know getting through it. Whether it's an, an, another drink to get through it, another way to get through it. Well, this is the hangover from every mm-hmm. other song that that has happened so far. He just pulls the emotion out. It, it yeah, it's the best. Yeah, it's a big crescendo. Dan sings, now a hole in the head of this wounded liar. Never had a drink that I didn't like. Got a taste of you, threw up all night. <laughs> that that line alone, like, 
just brings so much emotion out of you. And like I said, I've never, I've never tasted a drink in my entire life, but I know exactly where he's coming from. You feel it. Yeah. You feel what he's going through. Yeah. He knows that this girl he has left behind was bad for him and continues to do things to, to hurt him. You know, by the song's end, he's repeating, I don't know who your boyfriend is as if to say, I know you're trying to hurt me by flaunting this new relationship, but I, I don't care. Yeah. He's- the relationship is over, but she's still causing him grief. Even if he maybe says he doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's the hangover of the record, but it's the perfect yeah. way to, <laughs> to end the destructive mindset that they had, like mm-hmm. washing it all away. And this was the lead off track on that vagrant comp. Yeah. Which is funny because it's the final song on <laughs> this record. <laughs> This was my, you know, my first taste of what the new Alkaline Trio record was going to sound like back in 2000. And I, yeah, I was so excited after hearing the song. I knew that the record was going to be so good. The drums drive it, the bass. Um, mm-hmm. I would sit in my parents' basement and just try to play these like drums for this this track just over and over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> just playing along. Yeah, your phone's on. I don't even know if it was earphones back then. I probably just had like a boombox going in the corner <laughs> or whatever. On a shelf near your ear, blasting yeah, as loud exactly. as you know. Yeah. All right. So that completes the album and what a great album it is. Yeah. And life changing. So if we could look at this artwork for a moment. Um, it's pretty simple, you know? Yeah, I kind of think it's a step back. I, I, I remember reading like um, interviews and stories about when they when they finally dropped the album artwork for God Damn It to uh, Asian Man Records, they didn't want to put it out because it was so just jarring to everybody. And then like mm. how how iconic the Maybe I'll Catch Fire record is, or or the the self titled comp record, like that's an uh, an iconic logo. Yeah, I mean it's a basic album cover. Yeah, it just has the the three band members Matt, Mike, and Dan wearing black shirts, the black background. It looks pretty normal. I mean until you notice that their eyes have been whited out. Yeah. It's kind of eerie, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the what the thought process was behind the album cover. If they just didn't have any ideas, or or <laughs> if it was a rush uh, yeah, job, money or whatever. I know that money. they had. I mean, a lot of their designs were done by Heather Gable, and like mm-hmm. she, um, looking at her art now, she's very much into this kind of stuff. So it could have been that mm-hmm. you don't know. But yeah, it's just it's simple. The back is simple. So the title, the, the tracks on there. Yeah, Matt explained the title of the album, despite. A later episode of The Simpsons using From Here to Infirmary for an itchy and scratchy segment. I didn't even know that. That's awesome. Believed to be the inspiration. The title actually comes from No Effects. Matt says, No Effects always had really awesome play on words with record titles like Punk in Drublick and Pump Up the Valium. The chosen title, From Here to Infirmary, follows that same line of thought by being a play on the phrase From Here to Eternity which has an origin in a Richard Kipling poem discussing soldiers who lost their way during wartime. wartime. So pretty neat uh, backstory on the title, but unfortunately it's really the only interesting thing about this package. (laughs) I don't actually own this record on vinyl. I have it on CD, but I've been looking for the, for the vinyl, but I I haven't repressed it in a while or. Yeah, no. All right, Jeff, let's close this thing down. I just remember that it seemed like everyone was listening to this album when it came out. It was rare back then that so many people would all be talking about one particular release. I remember my band No Intention had a show a few days after the album was released and someone threw the album on between bands and everyone was just standing around talking about it and listening. It was actually really cool. It's rare that I can think of times in my life where an album has come out and so many people in a, in a subculture have just gathered around it and sort of taken it in sort of together, you know? Yeah, it definitely brought them to the next level. They tried something different and it worked for them. But, but yet they still kept like their their MOs and their ethics. Looking back, it's it still holds up. Yeah, it's, it sounds a bit tighter than their previous albums. It carried a bit of a, a punch to it. The production was a little bit more. The production was a little bit more on point. The lyrics were just as morose as ever, but yeah. the production was sonically pleasing, and the melodies were just dead on. These songs are great. I will admit that I think I over listened to this album, like I mentioned before, <laughs> because I think I took a little break from it. But you know, it was right there waiting for me when I came back. It's just such a great, 
great album. Yeah, and that helps you get a new mindset on things looking back because it's going to bring you back to those memories plus new memories for listening to it again for the first time in X amount of years. And it connects you to friends. It connects you to people in your life. And it's meaningful. And it's great to have those connections with people. Jeff, I'd like to thank you for hanging out with me today and talking about Alkaline Trio. Thank you for having me. This, This was great. Maybe someday we'll be able to leave our houses and play music again. Yeah, actually sit down and be in the same room. Yeah. But yeah, this is crazy, man. I appreciate you uh, dealing with all my my uh, emails explaining oh, absolutely the crazy thank way you. that we could connect. Thank you, making it work. Thank thank you for still doing this. Something to look forward to every week. Yeah, cool. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. All right, take care. I'd also like to thank former Alkaline Trio drummer Mike Falimley for answering my questions about the record. Talking Records is written and produced by me. The theme music was provided by Chris DeMakes from Less Than Jake. Craig does the graphics, and you folks have been a huge help as well. A humongous thank you to everyone who has listened to this podcast. An extra humongous thank you to those of you who have recommended it to others. The podcast is growing, and it would not be possible without your help. Whether you've shared us on social media, mentioned us to a friend, gave us a positive review, or sent us an email, we appreciate all of it so much. My goal is to keep Talking Records ad-free if I can. I'd like to keep the focus on the content, but believe it or not, producing a podcast does have cost. You can support Talking Records by visiting our website, TalkingRecordsPodcast.com. There, you can donate... Or you can pick up some cool Talking Records merch, like t-shirts and other goodies. It would all go a long way towards helping us keep this podcast rolling along. We have some exciting things coming up, so keep checking back, and don't forget to go back and listen to past episodes. From punk to ska to rock, we try to spread things out a bit. Alright, thanks everyone. I hope you're all staying healthy out there. Be well.